0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. I'm your host, Patrick Johnson, and this week we're with Scott Riley. Scott is a designer developer extraordinaire. He's currently providing his talents to the awesome folks at Pact. Um, Scott and I met via Twitter, not unlike most of the people who are on this podcast, but Scott and I met on Twitter, I think through mutual friends. I think Laura B is her name. That's what she goes by. On Twitter, Laura is a illustrator here in brooklyn she is she is originally from england her and scott were chatting somehow i i I jumped in and then scott and i started chatting um and scott and i seemed to carry the same level of humor same level of openness and, and conversation and topics and discussion and it was a really really good episode with him what was interesting was learning about how he came into programming and and technology in general scott and this is might be i have a few friends that this is a common a common theme with Scott really loved video games, which I've got a few friends that also love video games. I've got some coworkers who would much prefer to spend hours and hours and hours in front of video games rather than doing whatever else they get paid to do. Um, so it was interesting to hear this progression of someone who enjoys playing them to someone who wants to learn about them to someone who wants to build them um, and how this path of video games led him into programming, led him into technology, led him into design and uh, and to doing a lot of the stuff that he does today. Similar to some of the other episodes of this season, we, we do touch on some heavy topics, uh, social equality, racial, sexual equality, those kind of things. Um, and again, like in other episodes, all I ask is that, you know, you come to it with the same open mind that we do. And you're more than welcome to voice your concerns to me or to whoever else. But just wanted to give you a heads up. That way you aren't surprised when, it, when you hear it in this episode. But generally speaking, this is this is a it's at the very least, it's nice to hear that other people find these heavier topics. Equally as important, um, which I think is going to pave the way for some very large changes very soon. So it was very nice to have a have a very open, candid discussion with Scott and everyone else on the show about a wide variety of topics. Um, Yeah. Anyways, Scott's a fun guy. Um, He's got a really cool, chill personality. It was a really good show. I realize I've told you absolutely nothing about this episode with the exception of video games. But with that, I will leave you guys again per usual. If you can share, rate, review this episode, uh, share with your friends, do whatever, that'd be super fantastic. I will love you all forever. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, just want to say hey on Twitter, you can reach me at the Start FM on Twitter. Um, and with that, here's my episode in conversation with Scott Riley. This is The Start. Hey man how you doing thanks for joining me on the show
1: i'm good man absolute pleasure
0: how are you i'm doing very well i appreciate your um commitment to the show because you're drinking coffee since people can't see you but i can he's it's like 6 6 30 over there in england time um and he's like oh i'm drinking coffee so i don't look like and sound like a zombie so i'm gonna be up all night and he's doing it just for just for me yeah just for the show i appreciate it you're so nice um, I try. <laughs> so, Scott, um, I was actually thinking about this while we were talking because uh, in pre-show, before we before we started recording for the show, uh, we both talked about how we knew John Gold, and that made me think about how I know you. And I think I just know you via the internet. Like um, you know Ben Howdle, who's been on the show. You know John Gold, who's been on the show, and I believe you know La- Laura. Laura B is her Twitter name. I don't know yeah. her actual last name, but she works out of the townhouse and I have a few friends at the townhouse. Yeah, I um, love those guys. I spent yeah. a week with B in New York and kind of went... But with- you didn't hang out with me, fucker. Oh, I didn't Damn know it. you then, did I? Podcast is over. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. You. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Yeah, no, that townhouse is sick, man. I love that it's place. So it's awesome. so awesome. Um, th- there is a person who works there who has the... A GitHub repo, I'm not going to say who it is only because I don't know what their intentions are, but there's a GitHub repo with a URL that it looks like is the uh, code for the soon-to-be site. There's no site live now. Oh Well, at the time of this recording, there's no site live now. Um, so I'm sort of excited to see what it's going to look like. Yeah. O- only because I-, I don't know if you know the history of it. And hopefully I'm not misspeaking. So anybody who works there, if you're listening and I'm misspeaking, please correct me. But as far as I know, they were all working out of Studio Mates. The building that Studio Mates was sold, thus um, I feel like they were in limbo for a bit. And it sounds like somebody there, somebody within Studio Mates had a great opportunity to get the townhouse I don't know if they purchased it or the renting or that, any of that kind of stuff. And then a bunch of people just went with them. Um, and the townhouse used to be uh, the old office for a company called Kitchen Surfing, which their office was in Gowanus where the townhouse is. They moved to Brooklyn. But um, it's like, as far as I know, it's a residential slash corporate kind of like like a family could live there. It's totally yeah, yeah. viable for a home and then like probably like a business on the first floor kind of thing. But they just turned it into they turned what would have been the bedrooms into just offices or you know, a place with desks. That place is dope. I know uh my friend Johnny and his wife Jen. Yeah. They Johnny will have football games there sometimes and he's like this place is so awesome. Like he's like I like this place so much that I spend a lot of time here because it's like it's a perfect mix of like just chilling and I can go to this room over here and just get work done. So it's like the perfect place.
1: Yeah, man. It was so dope when we were there. Just like I was like, all these talented designers, like chatting to Jen, um, B and Meg and and just and Aaron who was there at the time as well. And I was like, Why am I here? Like, holy shit, what is going on? <laughs> There's like all this talent around me. And I'm like, Yeah, right? just, just making coffee things, mates. And they're just like fucking <laughs> Doing all these like sick, like lettering, illustration, UI stuff, like these fucking sick clients. And I'm just like, where's my corner so I can go and sit in it and
0: like, (laughs) I'll just take notes and all the cool shit you guys are doing while I'm over here twirling my thumbs. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. So, so Scott, why don't you, I think that's a good segue. Why don't you tell people who you are, what someone decided to pay you for all that good shit? like a like an awkward
1: dating profile kind of summary
0: yeah exactly so pretend that you're on the audio version of tinder right now and you are trying to um you know fetch a mate and i don't mean a friend i mean you know like a a a significant other so what yeah what would you say if this is an audio tinder i'd
1: say like you were way out of my league for a starting point but accurate i would be dating down i'm just for (laughs) the record yeah so my name's scott i'm 26 years old and I'm a product designer and a front-end developer, usually an emergency front-end developer. Um, what, do you, what do you mean emergency? So I work for a company called Packed, Packed Coffee. And mm-hmm. basically, like, we send coffees, like, whenever you need them. The idea is, like, you set up a recurring order or multiple ones and okay, you never run out, you never have too much, all that good shit around kind of, like, just... Taking the thought out of buying coffee so you have your little okay. frequency and
0: yeah it's like a subscription model kind of thing right
1: yeah yeah pretty much like subscriptions, a bit of a dirty word right now
0: but yeah yeah, we're, we're, yeah. You know, we're, it has negative connotations but yeah, for the sake yeah. of understanding you pay a monthly fee to receive something monthly
1: yeah, well it's yeah, it's we do it a bit differently than that and like you only pay when it gets shipped. So it's like if you want coffee every oh. every 10 days, you only you you pay it every 10 days. If you want coffee every 28 days, you get billed, you know, the day before it's shipped. So it's not like you know like traditional subscription model with like gym membership and shit like that where yeah, you'd kind of just you pay your monthly fee and that fee stays the same whether you go to the gym fucking every day of the month or you don't go to the gym for six months, like you're still paying for it. With Pact, it's more like, you know, we keep all your details and shit for kind of your benefit. And like we say, we let you know like two days before it's going to ship or like, oh, you're getting coffee. Like if you want to change it, this is what you're getting. Maybe you want a different coffee. Maybe you've got too much and you want to put it back. So I guess like, Flex, flexible subscription is probably like the closest yeah. you get to actually calling it a subscription,
0: but that's cool though. I, I've always, so like you said, subscription is sort of a bad word right now. And I agree. I've always had a negative connotation with it only because the subscription model benefits mm-hmm. when you, uh, don't benefit so like you yeah. said gym if you don't go to the gym they still take your money they don't care yeah
1: they actually um, make money from it because it's less time cleaning the shit yeah. you use there's less people in the gym less, exactly. less wear on the machines and all that stuff so yeah the less you use the subscription service the more the yep. company benefits like the yep. traditional the the yeah, yeah traditional subscription model is based on wanting people to use your service and take your products mm-hmm. like as infrequently as possible Whereas for us, the kind of closer your deliveries are together, the smaller your frequency, the better it is for for us, because like we actually you know make our money from i guess charging people only when they actually order. Yeah.
0: That probably means for you guys, and I don't know the business, right? I don't know the operations, but I would imagine since you guys are selling a physical good or physical inventory, it's probably easier for – maybe it's easier, maybe it's not. Um, It's probably easier to only provide it when someone needs it versus having to buy or produce a bunch of coffee up front in hopes that people will buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. almost like a uh, made-to-order kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, in in the early days, like, when we were shipping, like, you know, s- really small amounts of coffee and stuff, like, that was, like, mm-hmm. that would have been totally true. I don't think it makes a difference now. We're shipping, like, thousands of bags a day now. Like, oh, wow. Um, That's awesome. Across, across the UK. So, it's, like, yeah. I don't think, like, right now, like, it, that either, you know, either model would affect our operations so much it's just more of a um it's like an an actual convenience to a customer and a user right rather than something that truly
0: benefits massively benefits the business um so yeah for what it's for what it's worth i don't drink coffee i've never drank coffee in my life i actually don't like the taste of it yeah um I tend to drink tea. It's this weird. I I think the listeners have heard this story before, but basically growing up, my mom worked a job. She worked in the food industry and she helped run a restaurant, uh, run restaurants or just food establishments at Disney world. So I grew up right in Kissimmee. Um, so that meant that she'd have to go to work really early to prep. And what she would do because it was so early is she would take the plastic tumblers, right? So like the 12, 16 ounce plastic cups that were meant for, well, that we purchased for kids. That way we didn't break our, our good cups. And she would fill those up with coffee, but she would do it in such a frequency that the coffee would stain the inside. And yeah. I just thought it looked, I just thought it looked nasty. Um, so I've got this like mental stigma of like that sort of ruined any good that coffee could have ever brought in my life, but for what it's worth, uh, you know, I can still get caffeine out of tea. So that helps, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. you haven't really, miss- I hear coffee makes you poop though. So I guess I'm missing out on that.
1: <sighs> well, I hope not because I've had a few today and I don't want to be involved in this <laughs> podcast.
0: live shitting on the <laughs> start. podcast. Oh,
1: wow. You haven't uh, missed that much because Americans drink shit coffee.
0: Yeah, see, and that's the other thing too is that coffee's gotten really popular. Oh, so coffee as, as a thing has got, as a category, has gotten really popular. And I don't think I would care enough to like find good quality coffee. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, it's almost like another thing I don't have to deal with, which is, in my opinion, very good. But all right, enough about where you <laughs> work now. Um, you told me before that you're from Liverpool, and I take it that's where you grew up. That's where you were born and grew up, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Until I was.
1: 18 when I okay. went to university. Um, okay. And then back after dropping out of university. So are yeah. you,
0: you're in Liverpool now as no, well? No,
1: I live in Nottingham. I live in Gotham, um, which is quite cool, but not as cool as yeah. it sounds. Um, it's like, a little, well,
0: it's name sounds awesome. Yeah.
1: It's, it's the reason why, um, Gotham, Batman Gotham is actually called Gotham as well, which is quite cool.
0: Wait, is it really? So yeah. I, I thought, I thought Gotham, it was a, so I don't I read this uh, somewhere on the internet so I'm probably wrong because most of the internet is wrong that uh, the name Gotham or Gotham City came from an author who was like describing New York as Gotham or Gotham City
1: yeah yeah that- it totally was it was um, it was okay. a satire of New York City it was published oh it was published okay. in um, oh, I can't remember what it, this, the, it was a comic strip it was published and I think it was the New York Times I'm probably wrong on that but it was one of the New York newspapers in the 30s okay And, um, it, yeah, it was a satire of New York city where all the politicians went mad and it was kind of like, you know, like (laughs) pretty much like, what's the difference? Um, and they called it Gotham city. And that's actually based on the Gotham where I live, which is a tiny village in the middle of England, surrounded by fucking fields and forests. Oh, wow. And It dates back to some fucking king or which king I can't remember. Because British history does not interest me in the slightest, but um, that's when it's fair. about Gotham, it does. So this this, this <laughs> king was like he was big into hunting. Um, probably from the south of England because everyone who likes hunting is from the south. And that's fair. Yeah, he wanted to build. I think it was like a a ranch of some kind, like a, a big kind of estate house. Um, sure. Where it was good to hunt and like sure. where like at the time. It was, like, kind of really, it still is, like, really, like, the view out of my office is literally just a big fuck-off field and then shitloads of trees from a forest. So, it was, like... Oh, that's really cool, though. Yeah. It was, like, this fucking gobshite king was, like, right, this is a perfect place for my little ranch. And the residents were, like, really opposed to it. Like, the village people at the time, the village people... Mm One of them was dressed up as an Indian and a policeman.
0: The people <laughs> One was a policeman. <laughs> one was a guy from the gym and it was full yeah. of cultural appropriation and should never
1: have happened. But yeah, <laughs> like fucking the people of my village where I live now, like way back when this King was trying to like take over with his fucking hunting ranch, um, all decided that it was a great idea to act like lunatics and the entire ah. village was like in on this so he came and he was like surveying or whatever the fuck kings do yeah to, like be like right this is the fucking perfect place and everyone around him was like losing their shit and going insane <laughs> and like and he was just like no move on so like the cavalry <laughs> went through they like totally bypassed Gotham, and like yeah that's like passed down like as a kind of
0: oh wow thing. i didn't know that and- that's really really cool so what made you move there then? Um, so I my first like real job when
1: I moved away was in a city called Leicester, which Americans okay. cannot pronounce and it's
0: fucking hilarious. Wait, Leicester? Yeah, L E S T E R.
1: Well, no, it's it's spelled L E I C E S T E R. I understand why Americans would not oh, be able to Leicester.
0: That.
1: Is the, yeah, basically.
0: yeah. Well, hold on. In America, we have Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire? Which
1: is like, what? You, you have what? Yeah, Worcestershire sauce.
0: Yeah. It's like, just give me, just give me that sauce over there. That's what, that's what people What's do here. I mean, it's, that's right. It's I
1: a similar concept. Like, yeah, yeah, you just don't know the language you all from us. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I- <laughs> that's fair. We don't. I, um, I moved there like kind of like first job, like after, like I left university and was kind of like trying to freelance, but really failing at freelancing because I was such sure. a fucking idiot. And, so I found my way to get like my first full-time job mm-hmm. in design. And yeah, that was in Leicester. And I was there for a few years, um, stayed in a few different places. Um, and like my girlfriend finally agreed to move in with me after like a couple of years of long distance, I guess, relationship. Not that long distance, but like not seeing sure. each other every day and stuff. So we moved in together. We were in Leicester, which is like middle of England. <clears throat> and yeah we kind of just I wanted to leave the job I was at um, sure things just got a bit too intense there and I was like I was majorly banned out like really banned out and like Leicester is a small city but like we were still living like really close to the city so it was sure. it was like you know not like city life like you'd get like if you were living in Brooklyn and you were kind of close to Manhattan or you were on the sure. lower east side yeah. or wherever and you were close to like, yeah, this like crazy the, it sounds city. like the
0: city vibes weren't bleeding out to the other areas the same way that it does like the city vibe of manhattan has bled out into jersey city brooklyn queens etc yeah yeah
1: so like it was it was really small like it would never have like that kind of impact but like it was still like kind of there's traffic everywhere and getting around with shit and the city center was full of fucking idiots and like i was I, at the time i was like super burned out i'd been working like nonstop for like six months mm-hmm. Um, on like one project and kind of getting like small amounts of freelance work in on the side. And I just like mm-hmm. totally hit a brick wall where I was like, fuck this shit. Fuck everyone around me. Kind of like, yeah. can't do this. And my girlfriend was going back to study and she she was, um, we were living close to the college where she went to study. Um, mm-hmm. And she decided she wanted to go to university after that. Um, so I was like, I'd been to Nottingham a few times. And was like we should consider it like it's a much nicer place like it's a much nicer city my friends from Leicester will probably hate me for saying that but it is <laughs> so they can just fuck off and we were like I was like I don't want to do city living again I don't want to live in an apartment I don't want to live in like a terraced house that's like just yeah. paper thin walls and shit let's look at kind of like you know the campus sh- you're going to be studying at is like here let's look if we can go a little bit further out towards the countryside and just like mm-hmm. have this like as fuck life so yeah, we found Gotham and it was like, we were looking at houses and we had to leave like our house super early. Um, just like kind of, we left it a bit late and we were like rushing and I was like, look, this place is sick. It's got everything we need. It's got a space for me to have an office. It's got a space for you to have a study. It's a fucking adorable, like bungalow thing. It's got a garden and it's in a place called Gotham. So let's just fucking do it. It's like the first house, the only house we viewed, the only house we could get a proper viewing for, um, Timelines kind of like you know everything just fit in together, so it was like sick. Let's let's move here. So now I'm like, yeah, that was a big change because it's just so chill. Like it's the only way I can describe it. And like at the time mm-hmm. when I was like, you know, really banned out and like really stressed and stuff, it was like the perfect remedy for that. It was literally just like get up in the morning you know whenever i felt like kind of yep. open the doors like fucking squirrels in my garden horses at the back <laughs> gate and stuff like that it was just like oh really horses yeah, and stuff out yeah, there too we we like we back onto a big field that's like owned, oh owned wow. by the farm. like there's a big fuck off farm in the village and like so yeah their horses always like go for a little gallop like behind our house and stuff like that and
0: that's incredible because yeah. that's like the we sit in front of computers all day and that's the exact opposite. And I'm sure that creates like a pretty good balance and at the very least to just be like seeing that there's animals in the world, you know, when you're taking a break from staring at a 15 inch screen all day long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking lovely, man. Like we have to move out in May. Like the, the landlord wants to sell it. And it's like, it's kind of heartbreaking and uh, sure. yeah, we don't know where we're going to go yet and stuff, but it's been like, it was like a big change. Cause like, it was around about the time I started like taking traveling seriously as well so I would be I'd be like in the countryside where people usually go to get away from like this you know Mm -hmm. kind of like the 9 to 5 life or whatever they'd be like let's go somewhere chill let's go somewhere where we're surrounded by trees or let's go somewhere where there's a fucking empty beach we can just laze on all day and like it was like the opposite for me it was like right I'm sick of like everyone in the village knowing who I am and saying hi every morning I want to go to like cities or like so when yep. when i was traveling it was like the opposite it was like okay fuck the countryside for a bit fuck out chile and it's like <laughs> i need some culture that isn't just like old white people hobbling along the streets and yep. kind of fucking you know handsome farm hands strolling around in the wellington boots <laughs> like take me to fucking brooklyn take me
0: to toronto take me to like any yeah. European capital Well, different but, places. Right. I, yeah, but yeah. I think, I, I think that happens for everybody, right? Like people who live in cities, get sick of cities. They want to go someplace that doesn't have people. And then when you live in a place, does isn't have people you're tired of being alone or seeing the same faces. So you want to go somewhere else. It's like, I, I had to talk about this with my boss and I've, I, I've never tested this hypothesis, but I, you know, it, I think it'd be interesting. I feel like a perfect kind of place would almost be like a, a place that is uh dead in what like one half of the year and then busy the next half of the year and in the u.s i can relate that to like a beach town yeah so like yeah. A, a popular beach town right like in the winter no one's there so you get the peace and quiet but then in, in the summer months it's packed and you get the variety you get the culture you get every walk of life um same town same restaurants but it just feels different yeah yeah, yeah. no that would be sick um, like. So I have a I have a question this probably da- it goes back a little bit how did you get into design or like I say how that's a that's a loaded question right like is it rather is design something you when you were a little kid fucking around on your tricycle you're like I want to be a designer i I'll give you the long
1: story since we're on the start so it seems to be nah, like fair. pattern and information but like basically it it all stems from games right it all stems from okay playing games nonstop as a kid like video games um mm-hmm. like and getting to a point around like 14 years old of wanting to make games so okay. like if we go what, back what was your favorite game at the time? At the time probably some variation of Final Fantasy like I was okay. super into like kind of when i first started getting into them it was like when seven eight and nine were out on the playstation That's one, oh yeah it was,
0: we're only a year apart so yeah, yeah we are on the same uh trajectory
1: yeah so i was like i was big into those games and i got to a point where i was like probably about 14 yeah that mm-hmm. sounds about right so nearly 13 years ago wow that makes me feel old
0: Right. um, I hate those feelings.
1: Yeah. And I was like, I want to make games. Like that was it. Like that was just like this realization that fuck, I just, I just want to make games. Like I've been playing them so much. And Mm -hmm. I had like these ideas for kind of like stories for RPGs that were basically just like big, massive rip-offs of like those like old school final fantasy games. Um, Yep. And I was, but like in my head, I was like a creative genius writing all these intriguing characters and stuff like that. And I was like, right, let's, let's, let's try and make a game like that was it like 14 I was like something switch clicked in my head and I was like I'm just gonna make a fucking game like let's do it and this is like code was never taught in school like Mm -hmm. you know for as as long as I can remember I was never ever taught how to write code until like college so I was at a point where I had these ideas for making a game and just like didn't know where to like I didn't even know Code was a thing. I didn't know people, like, typed at a computer to make it do stuff. Like, I was just, it was purely, like, consumer level when it came to computers and stuff. So, it was almost
0: at a point where you were, like, stuck. Like, okay, I've got the storyline. I know what the character should look like, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to make it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Basically, realizing that you need more than a desire to make a game to actually make a game. So, I (laughs) I was like, all right, so, the first thing I should do is, like, start doing these characters, right? So, I need to learn 3D modeling like that was my assumption i need to learn 3d modeling like so i gave that a try yeah. for a couple of weeks and i was looking at tutorials and like oh it was terrible everything i did was terrible and i was like <laughs> finally got to the point where i'd made this like gelatinous fucking blob and i was like you know what this is just what can i do with this what can i do with this little rotund little fucker that i'm trying to turn into a game character and i was like yeah. i need to I, what you do like how when you press up, you should move. And I was just so confused because, like, I still didn't have like any like any idea what code was right. So yeah. it wasn't just like well, it, I didn't know how to write code. It was like I didn't know you had to use code to do
0: any yeah. of that shit. And 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 so this this is what I find interesting is that like, and I say it's interesting because it's happened with other people too. Is that like there is a disconnect, right? You realize that this is the like the end goal is writing a game. You know that you need to learn three D modeling. You realize that like, oh, I just want to make it go up. But you can't just, like, tell a computer to make it go up. There's a lot that goes on there. So uh, I'm curious what ended up happening with you. But I feel like, for me, I would have been like, well, wait a second. I want to make a game, but now I have to learn a bunch of other stuff that isn't a game to do it. And then I would, knowing me, I'd be like, fuck that, I'm going to go outside.
1: Yeah, yeah, It it was kind of like that. So I was, like, I was a bit lost. And I was kind of, at the time, I was, like, playing like i was talking about final fantasy is like i was playing through all the older ones like you know the the 8-bit and the 16-bit ones like the first six games and i was like playing them on like a fucking little SNES emulator on this like dell pc and i was like oh wow these games are still sick these games are still fucking amazing (laughs) and i found this um this piece of software and this is like this was Uh, for any like kind of software i've ever used in terms of stuff i've used to design stuff i've used to develop in like the past 12 13 years this is like the most game-changing thing i'd ever found and it was called rpg maker xp right and it was like this really (laughs) exactly what you need yeah it was like this really clunky port of i might be wrong but i'm almost certain it was a it was made by Japanese developers, and, like, it was, like, a community port of RPG Maker into English. And, oh, okay. And um, what it basically was, was, like, a, a, a GUI for mm-hmm. basically using point-and-click and kind of using the interface to put together okay. um, 16-bit isometric yep. RPG games. So I was just like, where did this come from? This is the holy grail. All I've done for the past, like, six months is play old school 16-bit RPG games. And yeah. all I've wanted to do... So like right up past, your yeah, yeah, is make a fucking game. And, like, this thing came along. And it was like, you had... You had sprite sheets, right? Which were, like, you know, yep. stacks of characters doing different animations. You had t- yep. tile maps, which were kind of like, you know, for creating maps and creating a world. And then it had this, like, really crude... Game engine um, built mm-hmm. into it that would kind of like let you set up things like if you made a map, you could set like a, a multiplier for how random the battles were, you know, like the old school time based battle system where, like, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. the Pokemon games and old school Final Fantasies yep. and stuff like that, where you're walking around and then suddenly it's like, whoa, it's a battle time, and, like everything changes. So it had all that built in. It was like, yeah, you made a map and like for every step, you set a probability for whether a random bout was going to happen and stuff. So had that all baked in and had like a sample game ready to go.
0: And, um, oh, wow. Okay. So you got to, you, not only did they give you the tool to make something, but at the very least you could be like, wait a second, what, what could this thing end up looking like? You know what I mean? Like they showed you, yeah. it's almost like a, uh, like a cooking show, right? Where they yeah, have the yeah. final, the final thing ready. already. Yeah. Like a
1: weird pixelated Japanese cooking show. Yeah.
0: Exactly. But it was, it was... And, and no weird porn or anything. <laughs> You could make it, though, if you had the right sprite sheet. Oh, God. I can only imagine But this is yeah. year kid would make. This was fucking
1: sick, man. I was, like, in my element. So, I was like, <clears throat> let's get started then. Like, got rid of the sample game. Like used a load of this, like, sample sprite sheets to, like, edit the characters, yep. like, pixel art and paint, like, zoomed in, like, 500%, just, like, colouring the guy's hair in blue, because I was like, this guy's gonna be the exact same character, but with blue hair, let's fucking go. <laughs> so it's, like, doing all these sprite sheets and kind of, like, making uh, a map, right? So my first ever map was this village with a few little houses and, like, a big fucking okay. church at the back, like, like typical fucking starter village in, like, old RPG. Yep. And I had this house, and I was like, I really want to make it so when you go to the door, it takes you in the house. Like, that was, like, Mm -hmm. the first
0: Like, you switch
1: scenes. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, right, let's find out how to make this happen. And basically, you had, like, you could set options for every tile you put down. So you had, like, a big grid, big square grid, and you'd, like, draw your map. And then you could, like, Mm -hmm. say whether a tile was walkable or not. So like really crude okay. kind of physics, where it's yep. like more of a binary thing. Like you can walk over this square or this square stopped you going past it. Um, yep. Obviously, because it was like isometric, it, there was no actual 3D or anything going on in there. Yep. Um, it was all 2D. So it was kind of like, if you got to that square, like every, you press right, you'd go one square right, you press left, you go one yep. square left. If, yep. you, if you're trying to walk into a square that you'd said wasn't walkable, it would stop you so like i had this house and you couldn't walk through the walls like that was a big achievement like i was like fucking yes this house is like impassable now my character's not a ghost and then i drew like the inside of it as well so like made a new map drew like the inside put like a treasure chest in the corner like a fucking um little picture frame on the wall and shit like that i was like
0: so proud and i was like it's like when you walk into a room in Zelda and there's just like the one treasure chest yeah, that has a yeah. key that you need and there's an obscure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: I was like, fuck, like I've got this map and this map and I need to link them together. And then I was like, how do I do this? And then, like you could set actions on like different tiles. So it was like, all right, when he steps on the door, let's take him to the house. And legit, like that moment like of solving that problem like as fucking Mm -hmm. simple as it is and it's like the fact i was using a gui to do it like doesn't even matter like i remember that moment like more vividly than like i I remember that moment more vividly than the first time i had sex right like that's how (laughs) whenever i do something now that's like i've been like fucking trying to write um this like crazy complex like i don't know like react application or something and i finally like crack like a portion of redux and i'm like oh that feels sick to do i always think
0: back to like walking through that little fucking door is this shitty little pixel character and like It, it, it makes sense it's um the analogy i use and is like you're chasing that first high right and i personally have never done drugs um so I don't know honestly what that feels like, but I've watched enough. Like you ever seen the show, uh, shameless. It's on showtime. Yeah. Yeah. It started I in, think wh- started in England, right? Did it? Yeah. That, that would make sense. Um, just based off of like the, the topics of the show. I feel like it, I feel like uh, shows outside of America are a little bit more raw, which is good. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's a few people who are addicted to drugs and I feel like that reference of like, you know, the only reason why you get addicted is because you chase the first high. Like nothing is ever as good and you're trying to get that feeling back. Needless to say, enough of the drug talk. The idea there is that, um, I think like I run into that too. I remember the first time I cracked like a serious CSS problem because I got into programming through like front end stuff. Um, uh, I was like, oh my God, this is so fucking cool. And then I like kept going, kept going, kept going. And it sounds like you building that, that how the, the map of that house, that's like that moment, right. Where you were like, we're able to harness the power of this program to do whatever the fuck you wanted to do. And like you relate back to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like that kind of like the amount, just, just how much I didn't know. And like Mm -hmm. how much I was like able to kind of do like, regardless of the fact that I was in a point and click thing, regardless of the fact that it was like this really fucking, crude program and whatever like it was the fact that like i didn't know how to make something happen and then found out and then did it and it was like the first time i'd really done that like everything else had just been like you know playing games like true true like consumer level stuff with the things i liked like Mm -hmm. kind of listening to music instead of making it playing games instead of making them like watching tv shows instead of doing instead of creating them like you know there was no real up until that point in my life there was no like real kind of let's create the things i enjoy consuming right and that was the first time like i'd actually managed to do something where i had this like deep like love for games and managed to Mm -hmm. make something that closely resembled something that would happen in a game so yeah it totally makes sense that that's like the first thing you related to it's like coming from a position of nothing to being like oh sick now i've done something
0: but, yeah, I, I would argue and say that I I can imagine if you worked in construction um, and you had a similar experience, I can't I, I don't think it would be any different. Right. Like the idea that, oh, you just built like a, u- uh, a usable door or a chair that's comfortable and doesn't break. Right. You sort I can imagine like that, that shit fucking feels good because you made it. Yeah, it didn't yeah. exist before. Now you made that thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's fucking it's like, it's one of those things. I'm like, well, like since then, like it sounds weird that that is such like a kind of profound like moment. And I haven't really thought like, like after that, like I started learning guitar and I've been playing guitar for like 12 years now. And now I'm like, Oh wow. Building guitars for like kids who can't afford them and schools who can't afford them. And that all started because I wanted to know how to make music because I was really interested in how like music was put together and how it sure. worked. And so I studied that. And then I was like, I really love guitars. I want to know how they're worked and how they're put together and stuff. And it's like, a lot of things now that I like, I have like a deep passion for is stuff that I'm really interested in. Like how are these mm-hmm. things made? How are these things produced? Yeah. Like how can I learn how to make those things? Right. And I think like that point in my life with the shitty fucking house and the shitty village was like, <laughs> that was the first time where I'd ever like cracked that. I'd have, I'd have yeah. gone from something I loved consuming to,
0: you know. Yeah. it making, it, it enables yeah. you. Um, it's interesting cause I feel like I've heard this from other people that I've spoken to too. It's this idea that where you have like a very strong desire, uh, and just, you enjoy doing a thing and that thing is continuously enjoyable, but it, it like the fact that you master it. So the idea of like, you've probably played enough of final fantasy games that you master them and mastering doesn't mean that you do them perfectly, but that you know what to expect. You understand the, the sort of style of game and, and how the game works, right? It's, I would liken it, I guess, to like playing a lot of sports, right? It doesn't matter what basketball court you walk on, but you know what to expect. Um, and that that's sort of like a style of mastery in itself. But because you still enjoy it, it enables you. You're like, well, wait a second. I like this thing so much. Maybe and I like it, but there's some things that would change. So I'm going to go ahead and make my own and maybe make what to me is the perfect game. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's one of those things like as well, like where does it stop? Like, yeah. you know, like if you if you sometimes it's like, especially now where I've like got time commitments and I've got like these big lists of things that I want to do for fun and stuff like that. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go around and like try and recreate everything I enjoy consuming. It's like, you know, whereas I went through a phase of like really wanting to do that, of like really wanting to kind of like get into making movies and get into photography and get into like, you know, art and drawing and 3d modeling and programming and design. And it's like, kind of, I don't know, now it feels like I've got to a point where I actually just enjoy consuming things again and, like, I, yeah. d- I don't, like, I'm not i am making stuff that I think I'm good at and qualified to make and can, like, actually, you know, benefit other people, but like, that kind of endless chase of wanting to recreate everything I enjoy is kind of, like, gone. I don't, don't know if that's sensible or sad or a bit above, but <laughs>
0: Uh, it, it sounds like it's just shifting priorities, right? When you're 15 and, and your only responsibility is not fucking up at school, yeah. you've got a lot of time left yeah, in your day, man. right? If you go to bed at 10, you get a, I know in the U S school's like seven to three, some shit like that. You get home by four, you've got six hours. And like nowadays, if I had six hours of free time on any given day, I would be ecstatic. So it, I don't know that it's bad, right? I think the idea there is that you're, your life has shifted you've taken on more responsibility well any anybody right as you get older you take on more responsibilities priorities change all that kind of stuff that doesn't mean you lose uh the things you enjoy they just unfortunately don't get to take up as much time
1: yeah yeah and i think it's like it's really important as well like something that kind of from experience and a few cycles of burnout and kind of being like really committed Mm. to making something and like everyone else getting kind of shifted to the side it's i think it's like it's really important to just like like i have a a a list uh, that's relatively long like an actual list that i refer to full of shit i'd like doing more than work (laughs) right like it's like i like this stuff more than my job and that's like in that's like taboo in the in the fucking tech industry right because everyone's lives are about if you believe twitter and you know fucking gary vaynerchuk podcasts and shit like that if you believe in the fucking the hustle lifestyle which is Another bullshit example of cultural appropriation, the the white man's definition, yeah. of course. So if you believe yeah, in that I, shit, I, like, yeah. that's a, it's a bad thing, right? It's a bad thing to not have work be the most important thing in your life. But.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, I agree with everything you say. What I would add is I think what ends up happening is especially... So I would take it a step further and say in the design and development community, the idea is that you... Well, I say the idea. I want to take a step back and I'll make some assumptions here because it's the Internet and assumptions equal facts. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but I think what ends up happening is a lot of people for a while, the when I say for a while, you think about like Jeffrey Zeldman. I say Jeffrey <laughs> Zeldman, people of that era, right, who have been in the Internet for a while. They probably did start doing this because they liked it, because when they got into it, when they were younger, it probably wasn't as established in an industry. It was just something where it was a bunch of people who were interested in this thing, created this thing. Um, And I think what ends up happening is people hear enough stories about people's lives where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I found solace in the Internet for whatever reason. um, And I really enjoyed it. And and then I realized it could become a job. The reality now is, is that even though the Internet itself is still very young, it has matured as its own profession that you can find it without enjoying it. But if you are a person who doesn't do it in their spare time or doesn't love it enough that you do it all the time, then you're not a true designer. You're not a true developer. So I think it's, it's, it definitely is taboo, but I think it acts almost like a ball and chain, right? Like, Oh, if I want to be uh, fully set on, if I want to be a part of this industry, I need to be a part of it wholeheartedly hundred yeah, percent of the yeah. time. I mean, like with development, there's a term called dark develop, like the the dark developer, which basically means someone who doesn't commit to the open source. Yeah, and, um, and I've heard, I've heard that once or twice. And I don't know that it's a, a term across the entire like technical industry, but the fact that somebody was like, I'm going to call this a thing. And I'm going to say that if you don't com- commit, if you don't, Uh, contribute to the community you're seen as like a a bad seed kind of thing yeah and And i mean that's not always true right like other people you have other interests i have other interests like i don't want to sit in front of a fucking screen all the time
1: no it's bullshit man it's like that idea as well that open source is about giving back that's probably a fucking podcast episode unto itself right like the the misconceptions of open source and how much companies who make open source products actively profit from free contribution that's yeah. like that's you know, it's bullshit, man. You know, it's not just about giving back and it's not a it can be a community effort and there's some great community driven open source projects there.
0: Yeah. But
1: like coming back to that kind of mentality of like if you're not in it a hundred percent of your wake an hour, like you're not dedicated enough. Like I think it's yeah, it's really important to consider like the flip side of that is like who are we excluding as a, as an industry, as a as the tech industry, which I um begrudgingly i see myself almost as part of it in that i use tech to make products like i'm i work at a company that kind of the end product isn't actually the tech that people use it's a yep. means to get into it but it's like you know it's yep. it's i've spoken at web conferences before it's like it's i can't avoid the fact that like i contribute to in some way even in the tiny way like the state of the tech industry now and like Kind of like that, that like hustle mentality. I think it's really important to consider like who you exclude when you kind of put Um, that in. Like there's people out there who aren't in a position where they can devote like 100% of their time to like coding away on you. Like if you think of like startups now, like on someone else's product, right? That's what you're Mm -hmm. doing. You're asking people to dedicate huge parts of their huge amounts of their time and their life to your idea and your interpretation of a solution to your interpretation of a problem. So like, what what does that create? Like that creates like, and this is going to be a bit ranty now, but this is this, like this bothers me. Rant
0: away, my friend. Like
1: this creates like this idea, like this perception, whether it's true or not, like it's, it it permeates through like the idea of what startups are and what tech is. And it creates this idea of the atomic employee of a startup Mm -hmm. in let's say Silicon Valley in the tech industry. And that's Mm -hmm. like a person who can devote huge amounts of their time hustling away.
0: Fucking hate that term, by the way, hustle. Like, so hustle and Gary Vaynerchuk are two things I don't enjoy. Oh my God. I can get into that later on or off the podcast, but yeah, I agree with you.
1: So it's like this idea that you, you, can you 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 physically mentally have the capacity to work non-stop on a product using like whatever range of tech skills you have and mm-hmm. you are willing to do that right like that's kind of that is like say you're straight out of college and you're looking to get into the tech industry and that's what is like prevalent in in like in The community and kind of like the way the industry speaks about the work we do is like that's the atomic employee right? And think about who that excludes. Like think about like the the experience you're potentially missing out on by Mm -hmm. having that prevalent and having that like permeate across like you know an entire industry. Like think about people who want to start families, people who want to travel. Exactly.
0: Who the it it you know it's interesting. I'm sorry I cut you off, but what it makes me think of is that the tech industry is heading towards a, uh, it's skewing towards a younger demographic, yeah, right? Yeah. Be- because they have the time. They, they have less commitments, less responsibility and, and more time to kill themselves, which is fine and kill themselves. I mean, like spending 80 hours a week yeah, on, on, on in, something to the desks and shit like that. Right. Like- yeah. But then if you, if you go to, in my opinion, a good company, right. And you look at quote unquote middle management. So engineering managers, um, or people getting closer towards like leadership positions they 've got families they 've got husbands they have wives um, <clears throat> they 've got kids they 've got soccer games to go to yeah. all that kind of stuff and their priorities shift and it 's almost like you know that mentality sort of <laughs> i hate to use this analogy, but I think of of football right when you 're in your thirties in football it 's time for you to retire and it's yeah. almost like it 's creating that that same kind of mindset right we're like even in your thirties and I'm using that right. 30s in my opinion, in the U S 30 is 30s is an average age in which people start committing to other yeah, things yeah. besides from work. Um, so I wonder if, if we were to take a pulse of the tech community in, like you said, in Silicon Valley, how people with families feel about the state of things, right? Are they getting pushed out? Do they feel like they have an equal, an equal say, are they there because they're val- Like do their employers value them as much as they value the cheaper, longer working, younger employee. Like, I, I I don't know what that's like. And it's still scary. I think, I think a few things, I think what, I think the internet has made it really easy to make things trends so much that things trending is now a trend, right? You think about the amount of fucking memes that are (laughs) trending. Um, and it's just like everything, everything that's trendable is trendy and it's like, whatever, you take that idea right that people just latch onto shit on the internet and then you also take the Gary Vaynerchuk idea which is in my my opinion Gary is probably a smart guy. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I've t- yeah, probably. I've talked to him like 3 times on Twitter and most of the time it's me talking shit like an asshole. <laughs> um, but what ends up happening is it, it, again my opinion this is, has no bearing on him or his per- professional life. He w- he did some really cool things early on before other people did them. And then he just screamed the loudest about those oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah. And
1: he, he did them from, like, you know, a position of, like, comfort, right? Of, you know, he 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 did that shit, like, you know, he, he was sitting there talking about fucking wine, right? And it's like... And yeah, like-
0: and... He- he built a, and again, you know, you and I, I don't know him, right? So it could have been much harder. But the thing that gets me, and I'm sure it was no f- simple feat at all, is I want to know what it was like for his dad or whoever ran the wine business going from zero dollars to five million dollars annually. The story of five million to fifty million is very impressive, but I would very much be interested in hearing the zero to five million, which he was probably a part of too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The internet probably made all that it's, stuff happen a little bit faster. It's just hustle,
1: though, isn't it, man? Like that's all it was. He just did this great <laughs> yeah, right. concept of hustling that works for everyone ever. So
0: yeah, it, you know it's interesting because I think the 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 premise of hustle is synonymous to the idea of hard work, and I I don't know if you've ever read anything uh, from like Jason Fried and the guys at Basecamp previously Thirty Seven Signals, but uh, they had a book called rework yeah, which yeah. was rework, my, i don't know so if you've ever great. read that yeah. i'll put that in the show notes um the one thing i will say is i read rework right before i graduated college and i had a job right when i graduated luckily so i was probably the fucking worst employee <laughs> because i'm like pompous on these like slightly radical ideas for the yeah, I walk around person. shouting but,
1: like meetings of poison every time someone wants to yeah exactly you and, and they're like, like who's yeah. this
0: goddamn 23 <laughs> year old kid shut your mouth Um, But the one thing that I liked about that is they were like, we don't celebrate the employee that stays till nine. They're like, that's just a sign to us that you don't get your work done in time, that you can't prioritize and you don't know how to like manage your day. Yeah, yeah. And I think... I I I agree with that. I don't agree with that. I knew people who would show up at nine because they were contractually obliged to, and they would stay until nine, and they'd stay till nine because they got work, um, they got work done because it was quiet, and that's the same kind of person that comes into the office a couple hours early, right? And it's just because maybe it's more conducive to their environment. But, um, so I think there are outliers there, but the premise that you need to like stay late to get a lot of work done, it's I think it's a bit toxic, and we're creating a we're creating a group of individuals, unfortunately that are our age, um, that see their life as their work. Yeah. The different, uh, yeah. And the poison, the poisonous thing there is that, um, if you were an artist and by that, let's say you were like, like, uh, Laura, who's an illustrator, right? Um, she became an illustrator in her own right. She does it for herself. In that case, her work is her, right? Yeah, Yeah. Um, if she were doing that for someone else, the act of illustrating is her, but the work she creates is not her, right? So, like, there's this weird divide, and I think the divide is when you create it for yourself, when you create a, a sustainable living for yourself through things that you do by yourself, versus um, creating something for someone else, right? And sort of, eh, I don't want to say it's a slave mentality, but you know, you are working for someone else. Someone sort of owns your your financial well being. So it's like this weird, I don't know. It's scary. I I, I think about it a lot only because last year in 2015 i took a lot of freelance a lot a lot of freelance work considering i also have a full-time job yeah um but at the same time i like i did that going in i was like at the beginning of uh, beginning of last year of 2015 i was like look i'm basically gonna say yes to almost everything because i want to know where my threshold is right basically what my giving point is
1: and then it's Um, self-imposed right that's like your decision to kind of there's a there is an end to that means that's different from making something for someone's company right and i think yeah, that's exactly. important and i think i think like as well with with that stuff like where it's it's literally like kind of the startup mentality is these kind of super hard working people who work weekends and all sleep under their desks and stuff like that like going back to what i said earlier with like who do we exclude from that if you think about like diversity in tech now and yep. it's like, it's such a huge subject and it's such an important subject. And it's like, who are we excluding by imposing that kind of mentality? Cause what you, yep. you have, what you have when you like kind of take that atomic employee, the employee who will sleep under the desk and spend so much time in the office is like, you have companies whose entire culture is devoted to that. So then that's when they get like, they yep. have like screenings in the office. They have ping pong tables in the office. They have all yep. this cool shit in the office. And it's like, well, well, you know the cynic in me says they're there to keep the people who like being in the office in the office right yeah. that's you know a logical assumption i think
0: yeah well yes and no and i say that um we have a ping pong table at my office i play ping pong two times a day and i still leave at six thirty. Yeah. and six thirty is is the time in which our we are contractually to be there so i think um You know, it's, uh, you know, actually we were talking about these kind of things, right? The idea of every uh, giving an employee a laptop versus a desktop computer, uh, makes, makes working mobile means that you can work from anywhere now. Um, unlimited vacation time. Most people work more when they have unlimited vacation time than when they have a two or three week set amount of time, because there's this idea of use it or lose it when you have a set amount of time. Whereas with unlimited, you feel bad because you think you're taking too much because you, you base it off yourself. You have no data or no information. Um, so it's interesting right like i think I think what ends up happening is is when the intentions are negative in those kind of environments let's say I started a company and i had you know I had lunch paid every day. I had uh, ping pong tables, Xboxes. We had you know fucking Keggerator, all those startupy shit. <laughs> and my intentions were to keep the employees there. I think that becomes known yeah, in the action. Yeah. Whereas if I have all those things, and I'm like, no, I like playing ping pong. So at two o'clock, I'm gonna ask somebody to come play ping pong with me, or I get us lunch because you guys work really hard, and I want to like thank you for that. You know what I mean? I think I think when the intention is is malicious or beneficial. Um, that's very much obvious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like,
0: that's... I think, I think about a place like a Google or a Facebook and I don't know, I don't, I've, I've never worked there. I haven't talked to anybody who works there about their, their perks, but I would imagine in the beginning the perks may have been beneficial and then there was a business there's always a business benefit to it. And then they got to a point where they couldn't police it. And now it's like a mixture of both, right? Like you can get your laundry done on campus because you're working a lot. And also it's out in like fucking rural, wherever (laughs) rural Silicon Valley and you live an hour away. Right. Same reason probably why they have super fancy buses because you have to take a bus to get there. So it sucks, but we're going to make it better for you. So it's like, it's this weird balance. Um, what I, what I find interesting and which I appreciate in you is that it sounds like you're equally as, uh, a, a cynic about it as I am and that like you definitely try to maintain your, your own life. Yeah. Y- yeah. K- you know, in the balance.
1: I think it's like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm overly cynical towards it to the point where like, you know, I probably mistake a lot of times where that stuff's done with good intentions as kind of like, yeah. what I think is the norm, which is kind of like, you know, that ball and chain you were talking about before, which is kind yeah. of like keep people that keep people locked into this company and stuff. And, I think like the reason I'm so cynical about it is like, I've been thinking quite, and I don't want to turn this into a parody, like two white dudes talking about tech diversity, uh,
0: right? Like, Well, honestly, for what it is, neither one of us could have chosen our race. So that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we have perspectives of people who enjoy being white, <laughs> if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, obviously there's people way more qualified to talk about this and maybe it's just adding to noise, but I do think that this expectation of what we want from what the tech industry seems to want from kind of their perfect employee really Mm -hmm. massively excludes people with super valuable life experiences Mm -hmm. that can actively contribute to how your company solves the problems it does. Right, And what, if you look at, startups now If you follow the venture capital you follow the money and mm-hmm. you look at where most of that money goes go through the list of companies and tell me how many of them are, are actively changing the world <clears throat> how many yeah and i
0: mean but so think about that too and i say this as devil's advocate right the investment money that Andreessen or Ben Howard gives them, their money is not meant to change the world. Their money is to get, it's a, it's a bet. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're betting that they're going to get, they're going to get twice as much as they put in. So for them, like nobody, fuck. Sorry. Sorry. If I think these are my own thoughts, nobody fucking thinks Snapchat's going to save the world. No, no. But when Snapchat sells to Facebook, the investors are going to make bank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's like the, the kind of, the false dichotomy of that if you're successful as a company like you know it's like the the um the disparity i guess with the impact that big companies have on the world and how much their ceo mm-hmm. thinks they have on the world it's like what yeah. i'm trying to like kind of get at is like you know these big kind of really well-funded companies they are the at they're crooks things like uber airbnb all those places like not trying to single out any companies but their convenience as a service right they're marketed to yeah no it's exactly what they are marketed to people where something that makes getting from a to b a lot easier or a lot more instant or a lot faster is changes their world so it's a really homogenous audience right that they're solving problems for and i i honestly think that because of the amount of the lack of diversity in life experiences of the average Mm -hmm. tech employee in Silicon Valley, for example, uh, really contributes to that because you you can only solve a problem you've lived through. I I totally stand by that. You can only effectively solve a problem you've lived through. And, you know, what have they lived through? They're straight out of college into 80-hour jobs. (laughs) Why do you think there's so many successful startups that fix or kind of alleviate problems.
0: On-demand laundry yeah, services. Yeah, with,
1: with yeah. Pro- these problems are problems that tech employees experience. The, the yep. solution, They're not yeah, real problems. The solutions for designers in managing feedback, the solution for uh, product managers in how they organize features, the solutions for yeah. startup CEOs in making sure their workers are happy. And th- this, yep. this
0: Or Photoshop versus <coughs> Sketch, right? I mean, that does solve a problem, but it is a very finite problem. A problem that... 90% of designers probably knew existed, but also realized it wasn't, it wasn't valuable enough for them to fix. I mean, I get where you're coming from. The, the phrase that I always use is rich white people problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But no, they're, they're like That's, starter problems. Right. And it's, it's what, yeah. like the, the stuff they're creating that like, I think like stems directly from the lack of life experiences that the vast majority of tech employees actually have because their life yeah. is their work. Like that's what we're saying as an industry. Want we want to hire, so it's only natural that anything that makes your work e- easier, you assume it makes your life easier. Like they, there's this. It's an industry full of people who have, and this is very, very presumptuous, but I see it as an industry full of people who have, like, very rarely had to live through like profound political or cultural problems, and they don't know mm-hmm. how to solve them. So we just have this like end, endless cycle of. Homogenous startups creating homogeneous products for other homogenous startups to create their homogeneous products for yep, homogenous. That's exactly audience, what
0: it is. Right? Well, I've always so that's a fair way to I've never thought about it like that. I've always thought of it of people making businesses out of features. Um yeah. so I, I my girlfriend and I sometimes put our apartment on Airbnb. Like we have a listing, but we don't actively uh rent out. Only because we're sort of, we're on the fence about it. Um, but there's a bunch of companies that startups that will manage the key exchange process for you, or they will uh, manage the house cleaning process. And all that means is that you pay somebody to then pay somebody like I, I think about it like this. I think there's one out here called like hostly or some shit like that. And basically you pay them 50 bucks and they will meet with your guest and exchange and they exchange the <laughs> key with them. And I bet you what they're doing is you're paying them 50 bucks for them to call a task rabbit to have the task rabbit go and give the key to somebody else. Yeah. Right. So it's a service that uses a service to provide a service and you pay for it. And it's, The one thing you brought up is the idea of solving problems. And it's, it, I'm, I'm a bit of stickler for grammar and semantics. Um, only primary reason is because the only way that we can communicate is through words, right? So, and, and words carry certain value and certain meaning. So when we, when we say that we are solving problems and the word problem is used to describe, uh, racial equality, uh, gender equality, Gun violence police brutality, and then laundry service <laughs> you realize that like that's not that's not actually a problem it might be a challenge i think, and again semantics right i'm 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 splitting hairs at this point, but you not getting your like the thirty The five minutes it takes you to walk your laundry down to the local laundromat to support local businesses is probably more of a challenge it's not a problem right it, it It's a challenge that you would like to solve, so maybe you start a delivery company, so you create a solution to a challenge, not to a problem. A problem is world hunger and the fact that there's not equal representation of all walks of life in varying industries um so it's like it's like there's this difference here, and I think what ends up happening is people put a lot of weight like you said, uh, like the CEO of Airbnb probably think thinks Airbnb is solving a problem more than it actually is. And I think people do that to bring bring themselves some value. Um, I think Airbnb does provide some value. Um, right? It gives people access to other parts of the world that they may not have had through regular tourist ways or yeah, yeah, tourism yeah. ways.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong, but um, I, I love Airbnb, like, you know. I don't see it as, like, massively life-changing. It's, like, it's going back to, to me, tech is convenience as a service. The The vast majority of oh, yeah. celebrated tech products are stuff that make things more convenient for me. And I'm very lucky to be in a position now where I can afford to pay just to remove some friction from a certain process. And I think, like, yeah. you need to question that a bit more often. Is like, yeah, you, this company is super profitable because it's essentially, mm-hmm. you
0: know a concierge of some sort, right? A- yeah. Well, see what, what a lot of them are is they're marketplaces. So Uber is not taxi service. It is a marketplace yes. for, uh, drivers to, uh, take fares for passengers. Airbnb is a marketplace for hosts to provide places to stay. And I, 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 bring that up and I interrupt you. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I bring that up because I read an article recently. It, of course it was a medium article and I'll share it where, uh, this kid and his family. The kid happened to be a journalist. Stayed at an Airbnb in Texas, and his dad died. Um, and what ended up happening was the Airbnb on on its property had a, a a swing tied to a tree, and no one knew that the tree the tree itself had died like two or three years prior, but the tree was still standing. Yeah. The dad was sitting on the swing, swinging. The tree trunk snapped in half and and crushed his dad. Fuck. Um, wow. Airbnb has no liability because Airbnb is not a a hotelier or however you say that word. They are not in the business of providing rooms for people. Therefore, they don't have to insure the properties. Airbnb is a marketplace. Yeah, yeah. But and and in this article, what's interesting is and this is what it brings up is Airbnb has no problem providing photography services for hosts on their platform. But what they do not do is they do not require every host to have a home inspection to make sure that their property is actually safe because one is more beneficial, right? Photography, getting professional grade photography for each host is more beneficial to getting uh, customers to use the platform than it is to have inspectors. and yeah, so actually inspectors make sure safety. their
1: customers are safe.
0: It's kind yeah, of like and yeah, it's, handing
1: off that duty of care, kind of like, all right. Yeah. Where, and where it, you're off putting it onto the host. You guys get together and sort stuff out and stay in each
0: other's house. And Yeah, we'll take your money. Don't worry about that, but eh, you guys can figure it out. You'll play nice. Some of these things, it's It's like, you know, they're just so, like,
1: actively marketed and stuff, and, like, you know, it's, like, really interesting when you talk about, kind of, like, problems versus challenges, and Mm -hmm. kind of, like, I think we've kind of talked about this for long enough, but one more little example um, is my least favorite product in the entire world, which is Soylent,
0: (laughs) right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Have you ever had it? No, and, like, so... I wanted to try it, just out of curiosity. So, yeah,
1: I think my, my problem with it is kind of, like, oh, it's tenfold, and I'm not even going to go into, kind of, like, the nutritional science behind it. Um, like, I've studied that a lot, and it doesn't make sense at all. Like... Yeah. But forgetting about that, what is, like, effectively soilant? is this kind of a way of getting what the FDA deemed to be uh, like daily requirements or whatever, wife of nutrition yep. into a really consumable, really transportable format that can let people who otherwise are pr- like predisposed. I'm um, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Who, do, who don't have like the time or whatever to get access. To <laughs> because those, they're too busy fucking coding. Yeah, because because they're, at, the they're hustling out. away with the fucking framed <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk strolling down the beach with tim ferris photo on the fucking office wall what like you know <laughs> look who the active market of soylent is it's fucking it's startup bros these fucking like yeah they're stocking their fridges with pre-packaged soylent think about what soylent actually is and if it claims to be all it is easily transportable easily consumable um ethically sourced kind of way of getting nutritions that people don't have access to think of the benefits that could have if they stopped pandering to bullshit fucking tech bros, and started thinking a bit more grander and thinking maybe this can help solve world hunger. Maybe this can help like fucking, you know, people who actually can't get that those nutrients through what, like whatever means of getting that to them. We can transport like a a month's worth of nutrients
0: in a yep, like box. you provide it, you, you provide it to homeless shelters, right? Yeah, like New yeah. York City, I think it's some crazy amount, like a, a very large percentage of kids who live in homeless shelters and go to school and, and get free lunch, right? It's like they're there. I mean, so I've thought about this recently, and I haven't talked about it on the podcast. It's not, it's not, uh, it just hasn't come up yet. But I've got a friend who's recently released from prison. Um, he he went to prison for a nonviolent crime. Um, Briefly, I will describe it. He it was armed burglary, and in Florida, if you bur- burglary uh, burglary is non force. So burglary means that I break into your home and no one's there, or I don't like beat you yeah. up. I think <clears throat> I could be wrong. Whereas robbery is like I rob you on the street, right, with force. Um, so in this act of burglary, he was you know eighteen twenty on drugs. Um, that doesn't negate the fact that he did something illegal, but he stole a gun which made it on burglary, which was a, a, a minimum sentence of like four years. whatever. So he was in prison for four years. So I've got, I've got a friend who is pound for pound smarter than I am. He made a really dumb mistake. He's also had a a shit ton of life stuff happen. That's not relevant for this podcast. And he's working a construction job where he makes eight bucks an hour, eight ten bucks an hour. And that's a, that's a decent wage for someone who has, you know, no commitments, no responsibilities in the way of like family or kids. But, it's going to be incredibly hard for, for him to get a job, and I'm, I'm actively trying to introduce him into programming because I realize that programming is an easy way for uh, to freely create a, uh, an income for yourself without going through the rigmarole of explaining to people why you were convicted of a crime and why you won't do it again. Right When you think about the U.S. and the interview process, there's a checkbox that says, have you ever been convicted of a felony? And then you have to explain what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the same thing. So the hard thing for him though, is that I was like, Casey, dude, like this could be cool. There's like a coding school around. And when he first was released, he's like, my license is suspended. I can't go. Um, he lives in a place where, I mean, he lives with his dad. And as far as I know, I could, I I could be misspeaking. Um, he lives in a place where he doesn't have an internet connection, so he can't even get online to take these programs. Um, So my thinking is, how do you bring, right? How do you bring this power? And this is the point that I'm getting at. How do you bring the power of the internet that all these startups have solved rich white people problems for and bring it to people who don't have them? Because, right, we talk about this idea of um, an uh, underrepresented group of people. And I don't mean by sex or color. I just mean economically. Or in areas where they don't have the same things we have. How do you bring them the same stuff that we have? And then let them create cool ass shit. Yeah. And that's like... Or the idea of like free internet, right? I think Google was doing like Google uh, Loom or Loom. Yeah, I think with was, Fiber as well. I mean, where, Google the, Fiber. Yeah, yeah. Where they're making that accessible. But just like... Those are the those are problems, right? Yeah, the fact yeah. that people now have a second chance of life, they're sort of uh, relinquished to the to the bottom rung of society because they fucked up. Some people fucked up on purpose. Some yeah, people didn't. some people
1: born um, into it as well, right? Some people are just straight up just shit out of luck, born into like yeah, uh, really poor yeah. households, really poor areas where there's like certain cultural expectations of them to do things in a certain way and all that stuff, and it's like. Yep. Touching on that is the uh, this idea of um, meritocracy and that kind of thing like just shows how fucking flawed the idea is, that, the idea of meritocracy. Because like there's people who aren't in a position to learn what you know, what you were in a comfortable position yeah. to learn. So like, you know, yep. you're saying, oh, if I work harder and I get better at this than other people, I should be rewarded in a certain way. And it's just like, that's, like a total bullshit man it's like rich white person shit like you were saying it's like it's yeah. meritocracy is flawed because no one starts at the same level no one's got the comfort yeah. of like my mum my is gonna cook me three square fucking meals a day while I sit in the fucking corner of the living room coding away like mm-hmm. some people just don't have that so this idea that you're more deserving of a job than someone else because you were in a position to work longer yeah. right, it's totally fucking bullshit man and it's like it it's, is. It's it's that stuff that, like, it bothers me a lot. And this is, like, getting really negative,
0: like, right now. But uh, Dude, it, I, honestly, I think it's fine. In my opinion, these are topics that most people are afraid to talk about because of the repercussions of how the larger internet might look at them. Um, and personally, I don't care. And I'm under the representation of you that you're totally fine with discussing it, too, assuming you are. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I tweet about three notes, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know it's interesting because I think uh, – I forget the guy's name. I think John Witten, something like that. Anyways, he's a, he's a, he's a legendary college basketball coach in the U.S. i S I'll try to find a link to his book and I'll send it to you and I'll put it in the show notes. But my buddy, Eric, uh, he, he writes a lot on the internet and he's, and he, he gets published on pre- like online magazine kind of sites. And, uh, there was a quote that was like, everyone is not born the same or into the same, uh, situations, but everyone, uh, has the ability to create their own opportunity. Now that is a very vague statement opportunity could mean maybe uh, an opportunity to go work an hourly job that maybe you didn't have before opportunity could be the first in your family to go to college opportunity could be a job at a startup. Right. Um, so that kind of idea I agree with the other idea that I agree with, and I'll use a sports analogy. Um, there are people in the NBA who are five foot eight and there are people in the NBA who are seven foot two. Uh, and and what that means to me is that even though you were not born to the same circumstances of physical height, you all still got there somehow. Um, So I'll use my buddy, right, who had a rough upbringing in life and had a rough bout of circumstances, and he was recently released. That doesn't mean he still can't be successful. It's really up to him. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that I do believe in. So if you, if you're, if you're born in an impoverished area, that doesn't mean that you have to stay there. And I'm saying this from my cushy apartment in Brooklyn, right? So I'm definitely not one to talk, but I think one, I think that people do have that opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity they have to give themselves which again i'm saying in my cushy apartment in brooklyn at the same time though i think what it, what behooves us as people who do have privilege and i don't mean white privilege i mean the privilege that we didn't grow up in the worst circumstances or maybe our parents could afford to pay for college for us or you know anything like that um is that we just sort of need to pay it forward
1: yeah yeah i, I mean I, I guess like uh, my upbringing was um <clears throat> It's, you know, I was born into, like, a... I was brought up in a single-parent family, just me, my mom, my sister. Yep. um same We lived here. in, like, you know, super poor areas of the UK when I was growing up. And it mm-hmm. was, like, you know, I feel like there's certain life experiences, like, I have, like, from then that is kind of, like... They've just, like, shaped me now, right? And, yeah, I'm in a position now where like i can afford to travel i work remote and i'm trusted to get my work done like i'm in like a good position and i worked Mm -hmm. super hard for a lot of years to like get the skills to be in this position um Mm -hmm. and i faced like a trivial amount of adversity like from that like it was you know we for the vast majority of being a kid had a permanent place to stay. There's a few times where yep. like we'd have to stay with relatives or we'd have to stay with kind of, you know, other people because like we've yep. left the house we were in and we are waiting to move into another one and stuff like that. Like we moved yep. around a lot and like all that stuff. And that's like, that's not like a sob story of any kind because I, you know, I, no, you've had your own. Yeah, hardships, yeah. So there's nothing wrong and with it's that. It's like kind of, you know, I, I, still not quite sure how I like found myself in this position, but like I'm here now. And I think like that has made me really passionate of thinking what the tech industry is like now. And like the getting people from like really underrepresented groups who have gone through like 10 times the hardship that I went through growing up and like making that kind of shit accessible to them because it makes sense. They have a vast, like, array of life experiences that the tech industry is missing out on and they they should be forming the problems that we solve we should we should be doing everything we possibly can if the tech industry wants to really affect the world from like a cultural or political standpoint they're not going to do it Mm -hmm. with like fucking rich white dudes who've spent their entire life getting paid through college and getting cushy benefits at a startup you know stop pushing those people out with ridiculous expectations and see what happens if you get an employee who can only work six hours a day, who is super productive, who is really fucking passionate, who has actually lived through some pretty shitty cultural or political oppression in their life, and see what happens when you give them the tools and the education and the patience and the time to create these products
0: that... You give them the opportunities uh, they may not have had otherwise to do something that could be impactful and it's probably going to be substantially better than any uber it might not see and that that i think is where it gets hard And, and we don't have to keep talking about this because we are getting close on time I think what ends up happening, and this is where the crux of some of this is, is things can be impactful to society, but they might not be impactful to business. Yeah. Which, um, unfortunately, you do have to pay bills, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. But I'm sure there are a bunch of really good ideas out there that don't get funded because it's not a viable business. Yeah, and it's in in whomever. Yeah, it's
1: sad as well. Like this chase for money. Like, there's enough fucking money in tech, right? There's enough money in tech as it is. Like. Can chill for a bit and think about, like, actually, yeah, actually focus impacting on society and, and making tech accessible to people who can impact society. I can't solve a problem I haven't lived through, right? Like, but I've I've lived through kind of seeing a single-parent family struggle in a yep. part of the UK that was massively ignored by the government at the time. Like, that's a yep. problem I've lived through. And there's people who've lived through... Worse, worse issues than that, worse sociological, worse kind of sure. culturally oppressive issues than that, who would probably be chomping at the bit to say, look, uh, how do I change this? Where's my inroad to this? Yep. Tech is impactful, right? Don't get me wrong. It's just, I think it's impactful on a very homogenous audience. But like the, the actual tools and the way they people approach solving problems and creating products and stuff is like Mm -hmm. that's that's huge for me i think like that that impact and how accessible they are like you know i just go on a website and i can manage whatever i need to manage for example they are elegant solutions it's it's the the actual problem definitions that need to change and unless you've lived through those problems you can't just be like oh i'm an empath i've got a great deal of empathy for people so i know how to fix their problems that's just fucking insulting yeah that's insulting yeah it is it's like in any way productive
0: yeah it's assuming that you understand their plights right and that you of all people someone who hasn't dealt with it um might have the solution that these people who have dealt with it never thought about i remember uh and i'll i i will end on this and then i have a few questions to ask you to wrap up the podcast i remember talking to uh in college i worked at the the NPR affiliate radio station on campus. And I, I spoke to a gentleman who at the time was the ambassador to a part of Africa. I forget what part, um, but he was, he was a part of the George Bush administration. So he was Republican, which honestly you wouldn't have like, when you think about what the Republicans are are viewed as on television right now, he was not yeah. that. Um But I was like, I asked him, so like, you know, uh, you know, what, what is it like there? Like, you know, how is it for you? Especially coming from America. And I'm sure there's vast cultural differences, et cetera. And he was like, honestly, he's like two things. He's like, one He's like, what some people don't realize is that people come down there with uh, the idea of like education, right. Or, um, educating, let's just say it was like an obscure village in Africa or not village, but just an impoverished area, a town, city, whatever. He's like people come in there uh, trying to educate young children and, and believe education is power. He's like, honestly, what they're overlooking is that some of these kids haven't eaten for three days. And honestly, all they really want is just a sandwich. Um, so going back to this idea of empathy, all those people who are providing educational may be very empathetic, but they are overlooking the a, a very direct and in, a distinct human need, right? Which is hunger. They don't care about math. They care about food at the moment. Yeah. If you provide them the food, uh, you know, give them the nourishment, the ability to think, then yeah, they're going to realize that, that education is empowering, et cetera. The other thing that he mentioned, he was like, he's like, there, he's like, I've met, he's like, I've met with some people who they'll walk five to 10 miles every day to a school with no running water um, because they understand how, how important education is. And they understand that it is a way to quote unquote, like freedom, right. Financial freedom, self freedom, all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting that you've got areas where um, areas in the world where people realize like people go to, the world's end to get this thing right. Education in this example. So it makes me wonder, like you've, you've got people out there who are much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, committed to something than we are to fucking our work, which is our livelihood, right? Like the idea that like, I work at this company and then one day you're going to leave. You've got people who are much more committed to that and they'll probably lay their lives on the line for it. And they don't have the opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess what, what I'm saying there is that like, I think it behooves us as an industry, right? Design, development, larger industry, technology, um, or any industry to think about the people who don't have what we have and just provide them that thing. And it's almost like it's, to me, it's almost like giving somebody a set of tools and just letting them play with it. Right. Um, all right. So I'll end on that. There's Three questions for the end of this podcast. The first of the three, and I think we talked about some pretty cool topics. So I, I'm interested how how you would answer this. Is if you can go back in time to yourself when you were 15, uh, with all this knowledge that you have now, what would you tell yourself? What piece of advice would you give yourself?
1: Oh wow, um, I'm really not sure. It's like I guess I'm where I am now because of like how much I've kind of stumbled through a lot of stuff that I thought would work out for me, but didn't. So like kind of like mm-hmm. instantly I want to say like, don't go to university because I spent a year and a, a year and <laughs> half there and dropped out in this like big pursuit to, sure. to make games. But actually like some of the stuff I learned there, you know, kind of fed into this. Um, sure.
0: What would I tell myself when I was 15? It's okay. <laughs> if you, if there's nothing you can think of, um, I'm a firm believer that not everything has to be super insightful. So yeah. if all it is is maybe college won't work out for you, that's totally fine. Uh, I, th- I
1: think it would be um, just chill the fuck out. I think that's like the best <laughs> thing I could say. Like a lot of times, like I'm, I have like illusions of grandeur and limited mm-hmm. skill set. So I think I'm going to make something amazing, and I try and do it with like a really limited knowledge of the thing I'm trying to create, and. I think like yeah, just like kind of to not have that and not have like I was saying I've been banned out like quite a lot, like severe, like I need two weeks off and doing nothing levels of burnout. Because yeah. I've just pushed myself to be like, I need to learn this, I need to learn this, I need to finish this thing. So I'm trying to make something like really intricate with like really basic knowledge. So I'd just be like, Yeah, stop doing that shit. Learn the building yeah. blocks, slowly progress, then make something because what I found like with um kind of, like, React and JavaScript now um, Mm -hmm. is it's a lot easier for me to create the things I want to create because I actually understand, like, the basics of it. So instead of (laughs) of being, like, I'm going to read one React tutorial and then make, like, this crazy fucking mixture of real-time WebSocket chat and all these, like, fancy fucking React stuff, like, that close that disconnect as soon as possible, like, between not knowing enough about something and
0: kind of the yep, Lear- learning the foundations. Out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because then it's just 10 times easier, right. To pick something up and be like, okay, I know all the building blocks of this. So now it's time yep. to create my idea versus has my idea. I know two fucking percent of this thing. <laughs> let's go mental. Like that's bad. <laughs> like that's, yeah,
0: let's go jam, jam react into my idea. And yeah. It. Yeah. So that's, that's probably
1: the thing that's bit me the most in the past. And I think why my skills, as a designer and a developer, progressed so slowly, mm-hmm. like like until a few years ago, like That's a fair. super slow progression. Because I was just trying to do too much. Like I was trying these bigger ideas without like the fundamental knowledge. So just chill the fuck
0: out. Learn, learn slowly, <laughs> then when you're comfortable, apply that shit to yeah. your ideas. move forward. So then uh, the next question is, um, what would you tell someone coming into the field? And it's also okay if the same if it's the same response, which is chill the fuck out. <laughs> um, ignore
1: Silicon Valley for as long as you possibly can. Um, that would uh, very like personal. Some people love that shit and really respond to the the challenges of yeah. startup founders. Um, <clears throat> don't assume that the tool is important, right? Don't assume mm-hmm. that you have to use a specific tool because that's what's important consider the Mm -hmm. impact of a tool on the 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 final product and more importantly the way someone will use and treat the final product so don't like as I think as a designer who got into development um my focus when I look at like something like React or Ember or anything like that is like what's this going to help me create and why is that different Mm -hmm. to the way I'm doing things now and how is that going to be of benefit to someone who actually picks this thing up and fucking uses it right? So don't that don't sense. jump straight into assuming that you need to blind something because of the feather around the actual tool. Think about the benefits of using that for, one, your own efficiency, how quickly you can create something, and two, what that actually helps you produce. So it's, it's beyond just this is cool and all these developers rave about it. Like look beyond trends, trends are trends for a reason, but look what makes those things useful and kind of make your decision based on that.
0: Yeah. It makes me think about the idea of, um, there's a phrase someone told me once it's fashion is a statement, not a question. And what that means is if you see someone walking on the street and you have to question what they're wearing, it's not necessarily good fashion, right? Uh, good fashion is timeless, uh, it speaks for itself. And I would relate that to what you're saying in that ch- you might have a question about it. If you question a trend, right. will react, stay around. If that is, if that is the question that you're asking, um, then maybe dig a little deeper, right. Figure out what about react makes it good or yeah, popular or yeah. whatever.
1: Cause like you're going to, you're going to encounter like the same kind of stuff right around like yeah. fundamentally what it, boil, what it boils down to is like developer opinion and right now with the way JavaScript is plug in ecosystem, right? That's the, you know, what can I NPM install that will make it 10 times easier for me to make this thing? I think that I love that shit. That's like what my favorite thing about JavaScript right now is like I can just fucking NPM install something that lets me provide like a much better, much faster, decent kind of solution to an interaction that Mm -hmm. I don't have to spend a week writing. Like, and that's 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 because i'm not like a hardcore developer guy and i'm like well i have to write this myself because of the challenge like it's no this helps i'm gonna fucking use it and the reason i use it is not because like it's popular or anything like that one it makes my life easier two it helps me provide Mm -hmm. a certain kind of um interaction i guess that can be beneficial to a user's experience so
0: yeah yep that makes sense um, and then the last question, it's a secret fun time question. Um, premise of this question is we talk, I have no idea what the question is going to be until I start saying the shit. Um, so given everything that we talked about, I'm curious, um, uh, if you could have a career in any other industry, what would it be? I want to say Games.
1: I can't. Okay, I I should. I should have saw that one. It definitely wouldn't Uh, (laughs) be giving direct answers to questions I get asked on podcasts. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) I think music, music, definitely music. Whether that's like building instruments or kind of writing music, producing music, yeah, that's that would be my second second choice. Probably my first, to be honest. I would actually drop design to work in like music production and. Kind of self-producing albums and stuff like that, if I seen that, if I deemed it sustainable.
0: Sure. So, so my thing has always been, I like if I didn't do this, I'd probably try to open a bakery, just because I love. Cookies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'd also be
1: oh, fact coffee candy. shop.
0: So, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like that'd a be coffee dope. shop co-working place would be pretty sick to put together. Yeah.
0: Right. Um. So, where can people? Since we're winding down, where can people find you on the
1: internet? Um, probably. Twitter is like, probably the only place like I'll actually say hi to people. So it's Scott underscore Riley, one of those cool kids with an underscore in his name on Twitter. Um, everything else I will almost definitely ignore. So Twitter.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So listeners, if you want to talk to Scott, call him, call him an asshole or c- call him your best friend, whatever. You hit him up on Twitter, nowhere else he won't see it. Um, Scott, I want to say thank you for joining me. I really, really, really appreciate you being on the show. I think we had a very good talk. Um, heavy, but good.
1: It was nice. Yeah, I hope, like, you know, there's nothing in there that's in any way offensive or anything like that, but I think we took, yeah, eh, touched on some.
0: For for what it's worth, listeners, one thing I always say is that this talk is full of opinions, not facts. So if you don't agree, that's okay. You don't have to. Yeah, shout outs, shout outs on Twitter if you don't agree. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Scott, I appreciate your time. Thank you so Morris, much. man. It was an absolute pleasure. Have you a good too. day.